Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 502. We've got a great guest with us. We've got Stephen Saunder with us from Zipfish. And the program's all going to be about hosting general advice about hosting, why Stephen and his colleagues have entered the reasonably competitive sector of WordPress hosting, what he, why he did it, what he hopes for his company. It should be a fantastic episode. And I also got my great co-host, Adrian. So let's start with Stephen. Stephen, can you give us a quick, give us a quick intro of, of yourself? Yeah, my name's Stephen Souter. Uh, I work with zipfish.io. Um, it's a hosting company that focuses on speeding up WordPress websites um, by focusing on not just fast servers, but also making sure that the code is running fast. Right. And I've got my great co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We help, uh, we help small businesses launch their marketing funnels. That's great. And before we go into the main part of the show, I'd just like to talk about quickly about our two sponsors. First of all, Kinster, another WordPress hosting company. We've been with them for about two years, two years plus. Um, they are, like I say, WordPress only hosting. They have been fantastic company, not only as a sponsor, but as a company hosting our site. Um, really very quick. Um, great interface, custom interface that's a joy to use and really great 24-7 support. Um, When you send a ticket to them, you normally get a reply in minutes. You normally deal with the same person. You're not passed around the organisation having to repeat about four to five times what your problem is, which in the end can get very time-consuming and basically a bit annoying. Um, you're normally dealt by the person that you that first spoke to you. They're just a joy to work with. So if that sounds interesting for yourself or for your clients, go over to kinster.com and look at their plans, maybe sign up for one. And the main thing, if you can just tell them through Twitter or through their ticketing system, that you heard about them through WP Tonic. That would be great. Uh, Our sponsor is a new sponsor, but they've sponsored the show before and they're a real friend of the show, and that's WP Fusion. Now, WP Fusion is a really amazing product. If you've got WooCommerce, um, if you've got any kind of shopping cart environment, you've got a learning management system, and if you want to connect that with a CRM, Uh, either an internal WordPress one like Groundhog or external ones like ActiveCampaign, they really um, enable you to do that on steroids. And the the amazing kind of automization you can do with a WordPress website with WP Fusion and one of these other CRMs is just blind. It's just amazing. It's a really mature product now. It connects to over two, I think over 200 CRMs now and other 
marketing optimization platforms. So it's just mind-boggling. And they've got really fantastic help documentation and other information to get you up and running really quickly. So I suggest for yourself or for clients, you go over to WP Fusion and see what they've got to offer. It's the way of the future, so you don't want to be behind the curve, really. So, um, Stephen, so what, mate, what was the, why um, have you decided to go into hosting and especially WordPress specific hosting? Because it's a, in 2020, it's a quite a competitive area, Stephen. Yeah, it's a very competitive area. It seems like there are thousands of hosting companies out there that are doing just like straight hosting or managed WordPress hosting. Um, but Working it with and in several agencies and just being a WordPress developer for quite a few years, um, there was always this big frustration with the current setup of WordPress hosting environments because as WordPress has grown, the challenge of figuring out exactly what's going on has become more and more complex. And so it felt like there was always these situations where you weren't 100% sure if it was like a plugin's fault if it was the hosting provider's fault, um, especially when you start talking about dynamic data um, and, and then translating that into WordPress speed, like how to make your WordPress site fast. And there's just so much going on. And it seems like most hosting providers today are focused primarily on their server stacks. So like, what's the hardware? Um, what is, you know, what type of Linux is being run? What packages are installed? And when you focus on that, that's only 50% of the equation, right? You're also running a bunch of code on top of that, right? WordPress, the plugins, your theme, custom add-ons that you've, you know, hacked together. Um, and when you only focus on the servers, you're missing out on like this huge component of stuff that needs to actually happen, right? The business end of stuff. Um, and so we wanted to hop into this space to kind of solve both ends of the equation, to build a hosting company that doesn't just care about putting your site on really fast servers and making sure the servers are stable, but also making sure that your code is running really fast and your code is stable and living in both of those spaces and bridging both of those together. Yeah, I follow, I follow the logic. Um, and. The only um, question is, where does the boundary then, um, or maybe maybe it's a boundary that moves constantly, so it's maybe this is why this is hard to pin down. Where is the boundary between the responsibility of the client and the developers that they hire or if they think they can do it themselves um, and the hosting provider or... Is that an understandable divide, but in reality, a very tricky divide? Yeah, it is a tricky divide. And it's a divide that has to be happened like on a case-by-case basis. But when I know that it takes both sides of that equation to make it work, you need to be able to span both of those, right? If I just say, hey, it's a plug-in on your site, go figure it out. Like that's not super helpful. But if I can say, hey, it's this plugin. This is causing a problem, but here are two other plugins that will will do the same exact thing, but will solve your issue. Or let me change the caching structure on your WordPress site, and then that will solve the issue. Like, there's just so many things that go on, and it seems like all the hosting companies that 
I've ever worked with in the past. And one of my source of frustration with like the current status of hosting is that there's just a lot of finger pointing or they try to get you out of their queue as fast as possible to move on to like the next thing that they're working on. Yeah, and we're going to discuss maybe why some of the reasons for that and why that has happened. Um, I'm going to put it over to my co-host, Adrian. Yeah, so it's just I was perusing through your site, and obviously the call to action and, and the what was the word I'm looking for? The main benefit, the main selling point is if I scroll down about halfway here, it's all about the page speed. Mm-hmm. And the tw- and I noticed that you're using like the the Google speed test in order to quantify the page speed. And you have like WP Engine, Flywheel, SiteGround, and then Zipfish, which is a very impressive 1.2 second load time. I'm curious because I've never really like believed, quote unquote, that if it's especially if you're like a branded company, that that page speed is like the be all and end all of a successful site. So I'm wondering, number one. How reliable is like GT metrics and PageSpeed Nord for actually categorizing, you know, how fast your website and how much it affects your ranking if on Google and stuff like that? And two, is it the be and end all for like all sites, you know, everywhere that if they have a page speed longer than X amount of seconds that they're going to lose like X amount of their traffic? Can you lend any insight on that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, as far as SEO stuff, I feel like there's like a lot of misinformation out there about page speed and SEO. Everybody's like, oh, Google's ranking you know, your page speed for, or, or calculating your page speed and helping that, using that to determine what your rank is from an SEO perspective. Um, and that's true to like some extent, but it's like a really small number. But what affects your, uh, your rank in Google much higher is if people are bouncing from your site. And so if your page speed is slow and people are bouncing from your site because your page speed is slow, it's taking a long time for people to load, like whether it's the initial link click or they get to your homepage and they click somewhere else and it's taking a while for the next page to load, so they just bail on it. Um, that's what's going to impact your SEO a lot more than... Really? That. So it's not, it's not so much like how fast your website actually is, but it's if people can't get to your site and them interacting with your site. That is like a side effect of like a slow website. 90% of people fall into that category. Like there's, there are people that fall into like, you know, your page speed is taking 15 seconds to load and Google will ding you for that and you'll lose SEO ranking. But if you're like in a normal window, like your SEO score is not going to change that much based on your page speed, except for the What's like a normal window? Um, I would say somewhere, it, it, it really depends like what you're trying to do, right? If you like have a big heavy web app and all your other competitors have these heavy web apps that they're trying to load, like you have a little bit bigger area, like a bigger grace area. Right. But I would say somewhere between the two to five second window, like five seconds, like pushing it up like mm-hmm. pretty far. Um, but if you can fall in there, like we haven't seen that impacting somebody's SEO score at all. Um, but the bounce rate does matter. And here's where like a lot of people, I think what they don't think about is that somebody does a new initial Google search and they're looking for a solution to their problem. Um, there's a couple different like methodologies that people kind of fall into either a, like they click a bunch of links at one time and open up a bunch of tabs. Cause they're like, I need to figure this out. I'm going to look at a bunch of this at once. And if any one of those tabs takes longer to load, they'll just close out of that and move on to the next tab. Um, and there's a lot of also people who fall into the category where they'll click on the first one 
if it doesn't feel like it loads within three seconds, they'll hop back to the homepage. And that's been a pretty well-documented number by Google themselves, by a bunch of different marketing firms. There's been like a lot of research that has been done on this, that um, your amount of people that bounce off of a page or never actually land on your homepage because you're taking more than three seconds is significant. Like that's kind of a significant like um, line that gets drawn in the sand. And as you go up, it gets becomes greater and greater. And as you go down, it goes less and less. Now, once you're down to like the two second level, shaving off, you know, 0.5 seconds is not going to change very much. Like it's kind of like the law of a diminishing return, right? Like as you go down the spectrum, another half second, another second, doesn't matter as much. But if you're up in like the seven or eight second window, shaving off one second of load time will have a much bigger impact. So uh, when you're, when you, you, you mentioned like running heavy web, ha- uh, heavy web apps, which kind of nicely segues into what a lot of people are using WordPress these for is installing the big platform plugins, stuff yeah. like membership, stuff like LMS. WooCommerce is known for being a little bit of a resource hog. Uh, and, you know, you start installing all of those other plugins that, you know, loads all of the external like GT metric scripts and the Stripe scripts and all of this stuff. And, and you start to get, you know, bloated WordPress heavy websites that do all of these different things, right? Versus kind of just like a static blog where you just, you know, upload content once a day or whatever. And it's just like super nice and super easy. What level uh, or, or how does caching really play a, a role in, in, in making those sites faster? And how much can you reasonably expect to actually improve the performance of, of those kinds of websites? And how much does it really matter? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, this is definitely like oh, an opinionated statement, but this is kind of where we fall. Um, as long as your marketing and front-facing pages are fast, what happens after somebody is sold on your product or has created an account on your product matters a lot less. So if you are engaging in a learning management system and it takes five seconds to load a page, somebody will tolerate that five-second load time a lot more than if it was their first initial visit and they were, landed on, they were landing on your homepage. And this is really where, it, where like we sit in like looking at people's individual sites, how they have them set up, the code that's being ran, is because it's important to cache though like that homepage or those landing pages, things that don't have like all these crazy high dynamic content that's happening. Um, because that's where the sale is going to be made. That's where that page speed matters. And then once after you get past that, it doesn't matter as much. But when you're on a hosting company that's like either your caching is on or your caching is off, like that's a very binary choice that you don't really want to sit in. Because if you can cache some of your pages, but not all of your pages, like that's where you can really start talking about this hybrid between what the server is doing and what your code is doing and really working on making sure that the pages that matter that load fast are loading fast and the business pages that are doing all this functionality stuff where you, know, you have to be able to load this dynamic information. You have to be able to uh, redirect and block users from doing certain things or allowing them to do things. Um, some of that stuff you can't cache, and there's only so much you can do from a speed standpoint. But um, as far as like how much that speed matters, it be, it's diminished quite a bit. And so when we're working with a company and speeding up their website, we're looking at like what does it take to get somebody from the entrance point 
to the sales page, make that as fast as possible, and then address those dynamic pages. Like, how can we speed the dynamic pages, but also keep them dynamic so they don't completely fall apart? Right. So it's really it's just really about making the the entry points fast, and once and once they're in, it doesn't you know it's diminish like you mentioned diminishing returns, and it's not it's right. not so you know, important that your lesson page with the Vimeo video takes like seven seconds to load because they've yeah, already a, bought the page. <laughs> to, to a certain point. I mean, if you're yeah. like, if you're taking, I don't know, seven seconds to load, like that could be really frustrating for your users. Yeah. I mean, it all depends what's going on. If you're loading a, some crazy thing like Asana, right? Like that takes a while to load, but you're getting like all this uh, like utility value from it. So you're willing to sit there a little bit longer and it has to take a while to load because there's a lot of information that goes in there. Um, that's just a non-WordPress example, but I just um, have a really, really quick one last question before we go for a break, and and Jonathan takes back over. Um, when it when it comes to caching and and websites and and whatnot, uh, really, really when they do it, it's based on the speed of the internet that Google has, which is basically like an indefinite, like massive fiber optic cable capable of like teleporting you to from here to Mars in the blink of an eye, but you know, the, most of us don't have fiber optic, you know, super hundred up, hundred down internet access. So how much of the speed is, is the website and how much of it is actually just your internet connection not being super blazing fast? Yeah, if you load something on Google PageSpeed and it's a pretty well-known site that gets a decent amount of traffic, um, it'll show you like real world where people fall. So you can get some real world stats on like how long it's taking people to access your site um, and what's going on there. Um, the lighter a site can be, the better off you always are, right? Like the less data that has to be loaded, the better. And so it's all about trying to figure out how do you delay data from being loaded that doesn't need to be loaded or how do I reduce the amount of requests that need to happen or the amount of kilobytes from whatever, uh, like a plugin that's loading all sorts of things that, things that you don't need. Um, like, for instance, like WooCommerce automatically loads tons of scripts and CSS styles on pages that never use WooCommerce. Um, and there's some really simple things you can do to, like, prevent that from happening. But by default, that's what happens out, out of the box. And if you don't know about that or you don't know how to limit that, right, it's going to be more kilobytes. And so then whether you're on a fast or slow connection, the less kilobytes that have to be loaded, the better off. That makes sense. All right. All right, folks, we're going to go for our break. We'll be back with Stephen Saunders and discussing hosting and how to make your site quicker in the second half of the show. We'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WPTonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. Um, we've had a, a pretty good initial discussion about hosting and how, and some of the factors you've got to take for yourself and for your clients around getting decent hosting for your website. Now, Stephen, have you got any kind of quick insights, tricks? Um, you know, people 
Now, how do they? How important is it to choose the right initial stack, i.e., the right theme, um, the right page builder, um, and and the plugins? And um, it's a bit like the Wild West. It always has been. That's been one of the attractions of WordPress, isn't it? It's one of the attractions and one of the um, one of the problems with it is. Um, how do you? How can you see if you're choosing the right plugins and they're not really having a very detrimental effect on your on your speed of your website, Stephen? So what I like to tell people is when you're going in to build a website, get the like base plugins and themes that you are planning on using, install all of those, and then run it against Google PageSpeed. See what happens. Also, run something that just has. Um, like WordPress out of the box, the default installation that comes and and see see what the difference is. Um, and then as you decide to add plugins, like just keep running it, keep monitoring it. Uh, GT Metrics has a great tool that will run every 24 hours and kind of track where your site is um, from a speed wise, from a speed standpoint. Um, it's really about just following what's happening with your site thinking about what you're adding. And when you add something, check to see what the speed implication is and then maybe make a choice that is faster or not. And Google has a lot of resources out there. If you just search like um, for like, a, if you're looking for a slider plugin, if you just Google, you know, like WordPress fastest slider plugin, um, you would get some great results and some really helpful articles saying like what you should use or shouldn't use. Um, but just kind of monitoring that and just keeping an eye out for that. Um, and being ready to adjust if also the numbers like shoot up. Right, because also the amount of plugins, because I think depending on the site, you know, and this is very variable, but from personal experience, I think it is quite easy to get between 50, 60, 70 plugins on a website in 2020. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, we've seen lots of sites with like 40 plus plugins and Really, it's not the number of plugins you have. Um, oftentimes, actually, in my opinion, like the more plugins you have is sometimes better because you don't are you aren't getting this like one size fit all plugin that's loading tons of stuff. You're saying, okay, what are like the actual things I need, and then finding those plugins that solve that one problem. Um, there's a lot of talk about like plugin bloat and people having too many plugins, but as long as you're being thoughtful and responsible about it, I don't think that the number of plugins actually has a huge correlation to do with site speed as the quality of plugins. So if you're getting, uh, you know, if you're downloading um, plugins from some random place on the web and it's not in the WordPress directory or not built by a, you know, reputable WordPress developer, there's a lot of baggage that can come along with those plugins and that will infinitely decrease your site speed compared to adding four or five, you know, reputable plugins. So it's not the number. It's like, it's a, has a lot more to do with the quality um, of the plugins that you're running. Yeah. Well, I think that's good advice. Over to you, Adrian. So from the plugin conversation, I think so there's a natural story to the theme conversation. Now, uh, I'm sure you've seen people use like the most obscure themes and then some of the most popular themes. I'm wondering if you have so any sort of, you know, list or tier of maybe the more popular ones that are make, make a really fast website happen and some of them maybe out there that you should avoid if, you're, if, if speed is exactly what you're looking for? 
Yeah, th- themes also are like a lot more tricky to switch out. If uh, you find you have a slow plugin, like you can usually find something else that will do this something similar. But like if you're switching out a whole theme, like a lot that's of a, that's a like a three day four day process yeah. of like reformatting content and changing options and replacing the logos, and that's a much more painful process. So much more painful. So getting that right is important. Um, my advice to people is that if you are using a page builder, look at that page builder and see what themes they recommend because generally those themes are quite a bit lighter than themes that you can find off the shelf because they are tailored built for those uh, page builders and there's not all this superfluous stuff that they've added on in their own custom page builder stuff. I like to stay away from themes that include page builders. Like if you can find a theme, the less the theme has to do, um, the better off you are, especially as we're moving into this whole new Gutenberg world where you're going to be able to change and edit theme styles um, or global styles. The We've theme- come a long way from like the all-in-one real estate theme. Yeah, exactly. If you remember, like, if anybody remembers, it came with the directory and it came with the IDX integration and the form and the searching um, and... I'm a long way from those. The more all-in-one theme that you have, the more all-in-one themes there are, it seems like the worse they become. Like Actually, uh, you'd be surprised. I don't think we ha- have as much as you think, Adrian, because like last week on my other business, I was talking to the CEO of um, IDX Broker, um, which supplies, has about 13,000 real estate agent clients. Um, and works with developers to build, use IDX in a WordPress environment, but they provide the data. And, you know, most, uh, sometimes I think we're in as as WordPress professionals or making our living out of WordPress, we live in a little bit of a bubble and uh, and the real world isn't hasn't changed as much as we we think, but that's maybe just my opinion. Sorry to interrupt, Adrian. No worries. Yeah, it's. A, uh, I guess I guess it makes sense, you know, if in, in in the context of real estate to bundle in that sort of stuff for specific things. Although I think I I know IDX Broker has a plugin, so maybe it's a little bit different. I don't know, but it, it, uh, they have they provide they provide a lot on their developer community who who get um get um have a tight relationship with IDX Broker, but they also provide out out of um from the website, a number of themes. Um, so you can, if you're a venturous individual, you could try and set it up all yourself. But most people are probably going to use one one of the developers. Um, I'll uh, qualify my statement to say we've come a, we've come a long way technically. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it's a. It's a um, from the technology standpoint, and 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 yeah. and the products of event and the. the the vast range of availability of different products to choose from, we've come a long way. And as, as the person supporting WordPress clients, I just feel, you know, for obvious reasons, it's understandable reasons. I, I think sometimes we we do end up in a little bit of a bubble um, um, as a WordPress community. Um, and most people outside that don't know anything about Gutenberg and really don't want to know anything about it. Uh, um and really don't really understand um, automation or, you know, um, they just want a solution. Um, so, 
Um, let's, Steve, let's just, not to hijack the conversation from Stephen. No, I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm <laughs> ranting on a bit. And I, um, well, I, I, I think you have a really good point that like, um, just as people look into themes that, I mean, we've kind of already talked about this, but like the more all in one, the more features something has, the heavier it gets. So like only get the, the features that you need and you're probably in a good We're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show in the bonus content. I'm going to be asking Stephen about the business logic around um, choosing this area to try and build a WordPress business in um, some of the competitors, how he feels he can build uh, a um, his own brand in in a competitive sector. Um, It should be a fascinating discussion, which you can see on the um, WP Tonic. Um, YouTube channel or on the WP Tonic website with a full set of um, transcripts and links. And I think he's got a slight give. You got a slight giveaway for the audience, haven't you, Stephen? Uh, yeah, we got a promo code. Um, they'll get you 25% off your first three months. And I'll make sure that's all in the show notes. Um, and that's a very generous offer to the WP tribe. Um, so, Stephen, what's the best way of finding out more about you and your company? Yeah, head over to zipfish.io. You can read about everything that we do, um, our guaranteed page speed score, how we optimize sites, um, how we look at the servers and your code to make sure everything's running as fast as possible. Right. And Adrian, how, what's the best way for people finding out more about you and your company? Uh, you can go to groundhog.io with uh, two Gs to find our free plugin and that will help you with your CRM and your marketing automation. Right. And uh, I want to talk about our webinar. We had our first webinar with um, Spencer Forum about um, building really great um, shopping carts and funnels in general. And we had over 50 people sign up for the first webinar. It was a blast. We're going to do our second um, webinar uh, on Tuesday the 9th of July. It's always going to be the first Tuesday of the month. And so that's the 9th of July. And that's going to be at 9am Pacific Standard Time. Um, It's going to be up um, today where you can go to the WP Tonic website and sign up for that. It's right in the top menu and it says free webinar so click that and sign up. And basically, we're going to be talking about um, shopping carts again, but also marketing automation um, using um, probably Groundhog and also WP Fusion combined and how um, you can use those two products with a modern shop, shopping cart and try and get more customers to buy your products. That's not a bad idea, is it? Um, We'll be back next week with another great guest. We'll see you soon, folks. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.